uh, in front of you. You can take that envelope, place it in the offering slot that's on the wall by the sound booth. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, to give online. You can also get our P.O. box on there as well, too. Also, I mentioned any, any time, in fact, it happens usually uh, every week, somebody shows up on a Saturday thinking it's food ministry, just because second and fourth just doesn't resonate, right, with all of us. So always go to the websites, always updated uh, with that information. All right, well, grab your Bibles with me, open to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4. I don't know if I gave out a great testimony and hallelujah in my life is my, my latest struggle that I was struggling with. Did I share this with everybody? That I wanted just to be open with you as, as a church. I couldn't find a Bible that had leather, right? In black. And I found a guy in Santa Ana that does Bible covers. He's next to a marijuana shop. So I thought that was always kind of like a little interesting but, um, and he only does Bibles. He doesn't do anything else. But the, a couple weeks ago, we were in Mark chapter 4. We looked at Jesus' words. In fact, he started with that word, listen. Today, I want to talk about the first soil that Jesus is going to talk about. I want to read all of these verses. Again, the parable, and I want to read the explanation that Jesus had to the others, the Bible says there were others and the disciples. I want to read that uh, for all of us today. This is Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into the boat, sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables. And he said in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, this is an important verse, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone with those around him, with the twelve, asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? What's the most significant parable? One of them in the Bible and the, the ex explanation of it. It's the one that we're re reading right here. And so Jesus starts in 14. He says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside when the word is sown. 
when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. These are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear it, hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Father, we thank you for these words today, Jesus' words. Lord, we pray over all of our hearts that today and every day we are good ground for the seeds of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus is going to teach a lot with parables. In fact, we know it's a, it's a short story, but it's not just a story. It has a heavenly connection to those that hear it. And parables don't just speak. Parables are action, right? They really just act. And really what Jesus, I think, is saying is, will the people hearing remain faithful? Because everybody heard, but will they remain faithful? So two weeks ago, we looked at that one word that Jesus said, listen, right? He wanted to make sure that everybody was listening, everyone was attentive. But the problem that Jesus faced was that many people had, all people had the ears to hear, but they were hard of hearing. Does anybody have a grandparent or somebody that they are hard of hearing? <laughs> right? We, we, all, we all know that. You got to yell a little louder. They got to turn up the hearing aids. Um, I remember I was with somebody that their hearing aids connected to their Bluetooth on their phone, so when the phone rang, they could just like touch their ear and talk. Like I thought, wow, that's you know pretty amazing, hard of hearing. But there's different reactions to the to the one gospel. There's only one gospel that Jesus. Now, if you've heard this before, you already know. Satan comes to steal off that ground. You know, there's stony ground. You know there's thorny ground. You know there's good ground. But today I want to look at it. It's not only that Satan comes to steal. It's also that we many a times have hard, hard hearts. And so it's in that listening that we're not listening because our hearts are so hard. I read a story about uh, three best friends that went deer hunting. But one of them was a pastor. And they all got set up in their deer stands. They all were overlooking the same field, and they all saw the large buck coming out. All three fired at the same time, and all three witnessed the buck go down. And all three started the argument of that they shot it first, right? That was the argument. They shot it first. In fact, they were so loud that they attracted the attention of a bypassing game warden. And the game warden decided that he was going to settle it once and for all. Who shot this deer? Who shot this deer? Instantly looking at the deer, he knew who it was.
was, and it was the pastor. And the two friends was, how would you know that it's the pastor? He says, because his shot went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> how many of us are guilty, not just the pastor, but his word coming in one ear and out the other? Oh, that's a good word for so-and-so. You know, we've come back to the power of that seed and how Jesus started everything in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, where he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Allow it to get deep on the inside. So Jesus talks, and I want to look at that first soil. In fact, he, he references in the story that the birds of the air came and took the seed from the wayside. In fact, in our minds, it would almost be like the area that the farmer would walk as they're scattering seed on the area that they tilled up. It would be the ground that they walked upon, that the animals walked upon. It was that wayside. But when the seed hit the ground... The bird showed up. It would probably be like, well, yeah, I can think in and outs already serving. It'd be the minute that little kid drops the fry, that bird comes out of that tree, right, to pick up that fry before the five-second rule comes into play for that kid to pick it up and eat it. Jesus then describes the parable, but he uses this in verse 13 and 15. He says to them, do you not understand this parable? They didn't understand it. How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. It's the word of God that's being sown. And these are the ones by the wayside when the word is sown, when they hear. Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in the heart. It uses the word immediately. Matthew 13, 19, which is another Matthew's gospel of the same event. And he uses this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Interesting, right, that he uses when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away the word that was sown in their heart. Jesus wanting to explain these things, the power of that word. You know, last weekend I, I um, had done a wedding. And um, after the wedding, I got so many compliments. But here's why I get compliments. Because I use God's word in my wedding ceremony and I, I feel like every time I do a wedding I, I adapt certain scriptures I'm telling you people come up all the time and they comment on it, and I know exactly what it is because they've all sat in weddings that really have nothing to do with how God set up marriage but I've always taken the opportunity to know that if I do a funeral a memorial or a wedding that I'm going to have a captive audience of people that are running from God you know, I actually sat down and I figured out between doing premarital of six to eight hours with a couple, between doing, you know, traveling to a rehearsal for a couple hours, doing a wedding that, you know, from, and I mean, it takes like, it's a lot of time. But I'm going to have a captive audience of people 
running from God that are going to hear God's, and they're probably thinking, oh, man, right? I don't go to church. I don't want to listen to that. Now I've got to listen to this for, you know, 15 days. I've got to listen to all these things. So after this wedding, this lady comes up to me, and she says, I want you to know. She says, I've been to weddings all, uh, fact, fact, she, uh, Armenian family, and they, they go to weddings like every weekend, right? There's so much. I have never, ever heard a wedding. And I always go back to, you know, I, I always try to use God's words. She says, I love the wedding you did two weeks ago in Irvine. And I said, I didn't do a wedding two weeks. Oh, yes, you were. I, I was at that one. That, well, that wasn't me. Last wedding I did, I think, was in San Diego. No, you were there two weeks ago, she's telling me, right? Now Michelle's looking at me. Ah, did I do a wedding two weeks ago? I'm trying to think. So she, I'm gonna get, she pulls out her phone. Like she's going, you know, it took her like 10 minutes to find the picture. And I'm thinking, you know what's always embarrassing when somebody says you look like somebody is the minute they find it, it's like, you've got to be kidding. Come on, right? Come on. That's, that's so rude. So she shows me this guy. He was definitely older than me. He was definitely thinner, but we have probably the same. I mean, I could totally understand that. And then she says, what do you charge to do a wedding? I said, I don't charge. What? You don't charge? No, I'm pat. I mean, that's not. She says, this guy got gets $1,800 a wedding plus tips. Really? She says, you need to be doing weddings Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. And I, so I said, I, I could... I could never do that, all right? That would be like, I could never do that. Oh, she's telling me, all, you need to do that because you have your, you know, she's going through this whole bit. So uh, I, I, I cracked up. But um, it's the power of, of somebody in there. Gloria's brother, his uh, service memorial we did here. I got to talk to a young man in the back, Isaac, that David had been mentoring. And I got to go through that prayer card that we have out there to probably reintroduce him or for maybe for the first time for him to accept Jesus as Lord. It was worth it all, right? That one, just that one opportunity, that one it away. Well, here's, here's Jesus, and Jesus understands that the enemy's going to come when the word is sown. So have you ever wondered this question? Adam and Eve, how long were they in the garden? Until they blew it. Anybody, you know, you, you kind of, you, you'd love to know, wouldn't you? How, how long? Well, we can check off. They hadn't had any kids, right? That takes nine months. There wasn't anything. I tend to believe that it was maybe only a couple days. <laughs> right? Right? Maybe only a couple. Why? Well, what we read in the scripture is Satan comes immediately. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent was the most cunning of the field. In fact, it also mentions in Genesis chapter 3 uh, in, this, um, uh, in the New English Bible that the snake was, was more crafty and cunning than any other animal there. So had they had a different relationship with God, which we know after they blew it, God came to them in the cool of the day, they probably would have asked other questions to the serpent but they didn't. I believe that they were only in there a short period of time. Based on the scripture, Satan comes immediately to take the word, right? Take the word. We read about Abel, and we read about what Abel does to kill his own brother, right? Early on, the two brothers in the beginning, 
Satan comes immediately to steal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, this is a, a pretty amazing verse that the Apostle Paul again writes, but he says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And I see that one little word, lest, right? The light. The God of this age has blinded. He keeps us busy, keeps us active, keeps us distracted. But I go into that bit of the person also has, can have this hardness of heart to be blinded to God's word, which Satan then, then can step back and allow that hard heart. You know, we read all throughout the Bible, it won't take time to go through it, but we read about Pharaoh, God hardened his heart. Even where all the firstborn had, had died and they finally kicked out the Israelites and then he wants to go get them, right? But he always had that hard heart that God did. But then we go into the children of Israel. The God called them a stiff-necked people, right? Stubborn. And because of their hardness of heart, instead of a probably a 19-day journey from going from the Red Sea into the Promised Land, it turned into a 40-year circle. Hard-hearted. Complaining about everything. Hard, 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 hard. Even when the spies come back with the fruit, Right Of everything that God has been promised over all of these years, their hearts are hard. David, who was referred to as a man after God's own heart, looked at Bathsheba, took her into his chambers, committed adultery with Bathsheba. She's pregnant now. Instead of, of coming clean to God, then he devises a plan. I'm going to bring her husband back from the battlefront and have him spend the weekend with her. Then we can kind of blame the whole thing that it was his kids. This guy won't even go into the bedroom or into his house because his men are sleeping in the field. He sleeps outside. Then David de devises something else. Instead of coming clean, what he's going to do, he's going to tell others that in the hottest part of the battle, everybody do this, step back, right? And Uzziah is fair game for any arrow or spear, and he dies, and David thinks he gets away with it, right? Whew, got away with that one. Nobody's going to find out until Nathan shows up. And even in the parable that Nathan uses, it's like one of those original parables, David still doesn't get it until Nathan has to drill into him, you're the man I'm talking about. The man after God's own heart had a hard heart. Right? We get hard-hearted sometimes. Many times we look at that first soil and we kind of pass it out. We're aware that Satan wants to steal, but have we examined our hearts to make sure they're not hard? In fact, Jesus over and over again says things like this. John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. 
Jesus shows again those two paths there, John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they might have life, and they might have life more abundantly. And that's where I go back and I think about Adam and Eve, and I'm like, you know what? I'm, they're not going to let God be God over this situation. I will decide, right? I want to try the fruit. I, I, I want to do this. And they've wandered from Lord. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this. Peter says this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a, say it with me, roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, right? Steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The roaring lion roars in the evening to let the other lions know, this is my territory, you stay out, and these are my ladies, right? You stay away. The roaring lion doesn't roar right before he's going to jump on the prey. That alerts the prey that they're there. No, you've seen the videos, man, they can sneak down. Who would want to get pounced on by a lion? You wouldn't even know that they're there. It's the roaring lion. Jesus has given us so much information to know. You, every one of us needs to know Satan comes immediately to try to steal that word. Right? I've heard people say we got in the biggest fight on the way home from church in our car. Right? Worshiping God, right? You are for us. Now I hate you and I hate you, right? I mean, it's funny how we, how we can shift from rejoicing in God, believing in God, and we shift right back out, and we forget everything. He wants to come and, and steal that word. The other one that becomes something that we have all have to intersect with is the hardness of heart. You can pray, you can study, you can witness, you can know your Bible inside and out, and still have the hard hearted wayside ground that the word of God does not impact. Here's what's interesting about that hard hearted and that seed. Isaiah lets us know actually a couple things that the word of God does not return to itself void. That word void is, is em empty. In fact, it's not a boomerang. I have a boom. Actually, I think Philip gave me a boomerang and I've never tried it because I think I'll lose it. Right. The way to do the boomerang is once you throw it, if it doesn't hit its target, what does it do? Comes back to you. But a better description of God's word is either like a spear or an arrow that it's going to hit the target that you throw it to. The word of God does not return to itself void or empty. The grass will wither and the flower will fade. And I know it's been hot and humid and they do anyways, right? But all of that's going to be gone. But the word of God will last forever, right? Forever. But Satan can steal the word and the hardness of heart can stop the power of that word, the power of that seed in our hearts. Oh, it's so important. I heard a pastor say this years ago that we're scrubbing our hearts, that we're making sure our hearts are not hard all of us have been through situations situations in families things that have been we've all been wronged in certain places and many times we can get hard hearted 
that even that word of God doesn't penetrate the heart. And I really want to pray this one verse. In fact, I thought about this. How hard a heart is Judas? That you can sit and have communion with Jesus. Now, we know it's prophetic that one of them was going to do it. But you can do communion with Jesus. And he's given the example of breaking the bread and the cup. And in your mind is, I got to go, right? I got an appointment. I'm going to sell them out. I'm going to tell them where they are. How hard of a heart. And that's a follower. That was a disciple and an apostle. Let's put this verse on the screen. Ezekiel 36, 26. One of these Old Testament powerful scriptures of a, a prayer. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of, say it with me, stone, right? Out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Scripture in, um, that I'll read in Proverbs or pray for people too court situation, you know, all, all different situations, and it says, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And like the rivers of water, he turns it. I thought about that. Like the rivers of water. Where your heart takes you is where you go. Right? Out of our heart. We know the, the power of the scripture talks about the power of our heart. Our heart is really what the thing that's leading us. But it's also a very powerful river of direction that takes you. That's why we pray. Let's, let's let whatever judge, whatever um, doctor, whatever, whatever the situations, let's let the hand of the Lord be on that heart and turn that river, that direction in your favor. But we read this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of I will take out the heart of stone of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. But I have to want it. I have to be willing to lay it down. I have to be will, willing to allow the hard things of God's word to impact this heart so that change begins to happen. Right? So I I want in fact put that uh, last verse, put that verse back up on there. Let's all read this one together. This is Ezekiel chapter 36, 25. Let's all say this together. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Hard-hearted, Jesus is going to raise the standard. Tender-hearted. Hard-hearted, Tenderhearted. Bow your heads if you would with me. Ezekiel 36, 26. Will you make it personal with me? That it would almost be like your name has just been put in Ezekiel that God is saying to you, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I, God says, I will take out the heart of stone out of your flesh and, uh, and give you a heart of flesh. So, Father, like we do and, and we express to you, we humble ourselves before you. 
You give us the insight of the soil, the seed. You give us the insight of the ground. And many times we bypass and we think we're, we're aware that the enemy wants to come, but we forget many times that part of this is because our hearts are hard, but we have said your words over our life. Take this heart. I thank you, Father, that it is flesh. It's pliable. I say over myself, in fact, say this over yourself, I am tender-hearted, right? Tender-hearted. Lord, if I need to forgive somebody, that today would be a day that I forgive them. I understand that if I don't forgive them, my prayers are hindered. And yet many times, Father, we want retribution. We want justice. But you ask us first to forgive them. So, Father, I do that today. I forgive them in Jesus' name. If I never hear a word back, I forgive them. And I become tenderhearted. I become a heart that your seed can be planted in and begin to grow. Because I repent and I believe your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Stand with me if you would. We're going to close with this little.